2: Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, Nadine Turman, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Tonight on Fast, you're gearing up for earnings season. Yeah, that's right. It is back. The action kicking off next week will break down the four big names that need to be on your radar. Plus, the home improvement trade getting hammered today. Home Depot and Lowe's both under pressure. I'll tell you how our traders are playing the space. And later, our chart of the week, the 11% breakout and why one of our traders sees more upside ahead. We start off with a fueled-up rally. Crude oil crossing the $80 mark for the first time since 2014. WTI, WTI is now up seven weeks in a row, its longest winning streak of the year. That helped the energy sector lead the way in today's market. Nine of the 10 top-performing S&P stocks today were in the oil space. The sector overall up 50% this year, making it the best performer so far. So will the energy rally continue, or is this red-hot trade running on empty. Brian Kelly, what do you make of this huge run?
3: Yeah, well, so listen, I've been long of oil. And so you're kind of asking a barber if you need a haircut. Uh, I would say yes. I do think oil has more to run. But (laughs) there are some fundamental reasons behind this. We know that there has been underinvestment in the traditional carbon-based energy sources. So natural gas, uh, drilling, uh, oil drilling, those type of things. Those are slow to react and it's it's unclear whether or not we're going to be able to have the typical supply response that we might get in this particular situation. So, I do think that higher energy prices are here to stay. That being said, we've had a pretty good run here. I did take a little bit of profit today. That doesn't mean I don't think doesn't mean I think it's going down, but I do think that higher energy prices are going to be a part of this winter at the very least and maybe into the summer.
2: You know, in the past, one might think about demand destruction, a point at which the price of oil, the price of energy is so high that it starts to curb usage of oil. Nadine, are we just in a completely different backdrop economically today where that, that term doesn't even come into effect for a long time?
0: Mel, well, I think you're making a good point. You know, BK talked about the supply dynamic dynamics. You're talking about demand. And as we're reopening, you're seeing the COVID numbers come down. That's just going to further, I guess, put fuel on the fire to have a bad analogy here. So what we actually think, is, you look at that and the macro setup, you're seeing a reflation going on. You're seeing the growth of GDP accelerating, the growth of inflation accelerating, it's no wonder why energy and financials are doing well. So we think you can hold on to these energy names. Obviously, we've had a lot of final trades, BP, Shell, so we agree with Big K, you can hold on to these, but it doesn't mean you can't trade them. It's you know, nearing the top end of the trading range here, so you might wanna take a little bit off, but if you need to hold for tax reasons, it'd probably be okay. Yeah, Steve Grasso, where are you finding value in this space still?
1: So what's interesting is that if you go back five years, the XLE is basically flat. If, if, you've, if you pick a stock, uh, you have a better chance of that stock being flat. So if you go back to 2016, that stock is probably at the same level it was back then as it is today. So there's been a lot of chopping of wood. But when BK said an underinvestment in fossil fuels, I took out my Dakota ring. And that, to me, is a political thing. He didn't mean it to be political. What it is, though, is that this administration has made a bet that we're gonna be at alternatives or renewables, however you slice it, however you wanna word it, quicker than we are going to be. The best performer in this environment has been coal. Can you imagine Biden coming into office saying that the stocks that are gonna rally are coal and fossil fuels? No way. This is definitely something that's not changing and has caught the market way off sides here, and I mm-hmm. think it can continue, just because of the politics of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tim brought up the term the other day, and Pete, I believe you're on this show, and he said greenflation. You know, this notion that as we push to, to renewables, that the prices of the other fossil fuels go up very sharply, and that's exactly what we saw. Is that still where you want to be at this point? I mean, a name like a, a peep, a, Peabody. When was the last time we talked about Peabody <laughs> outside of this
4: week, you know, years ago? <laughs> right. Well, sure. I would say this, Mel. I think that, um, as I said, just I think either this week or the week before, I you, you asked me something about oil, and I said, I actually think it can go to 100 before the end of the year. And I still believe that. I think that the run that we have had, it's been going on now for nearly a year. It started right at the beginning mm-hmm. of November last year, 2020, and it's been running ever since. And I'll tell you what, these beta names are absolutely exploding to the upside. If you just take a look at any of those names that have a two, a three, a three and a half beta, like Diamondback, and Rig, and Devon, and Occidental, and Apache, and all those various names, I tell you, Mel, you look at the XOP, which has a lot of those names in it in terms of an ETF, you will find yourself looking at something that looks absolutely extraordinary, and they just keep coming for it. We had two separate occasions today where the XLE had some very, very large option paper. As a matter of fact, to close out the day today, at the very end of the day, they bought 49,000 upside calls in the XLE. So we continue to see this day after day after day. All the option Mm -hmm. activity continues to signal to me that it's going to continue to go higher. I believe it, and I keep holding on. It is by far my biggest sector holding right now.
2: So here's a question for you, BK. Fang Mm -hmm. the big cap tech stocks or fang Mm -hmm. the stock to the end Uh of the year, which is a better question?
3: Oh, great question. Fang the stock without a (laughs) doubt. Yeah, I mean, and here's why. If you think that oil prices are going up, that implies that inflation expectations are likely to go higher, which then means that rates are likely to go higher which is not good for those tech stocks. And I'd much rather be in the oil sector. And a lot of this too, I mean, Tim is right about this greenflation. It's a lot of, think about what's going on with ESG. Uh, Exxon Mobil, the big companies are returning capital shareholders rather than investing. And that is continuing as we speak. And I do think that's gonna increase rates ultimately, which will hurt your bang stocks. (laughs) Same question
2: to you, Grasso. what do you say?
1: Oh, I go, with, I go with FANG stocks, too. But wait, uh, let me hedge that a little bit. I think the FANG, FANG and the, the FANG can go. Yeah, I think FANG, okay. it's an e company. It's up 127% year-to-date. It's in nosebleed territory. But I do believe when you look at FANG, the tech group, those are considered value amongst growth stocks. So I think they both can go up. I think the velocity... On the chart I'm looking at with Fang, $109, the e company, I think that one's nosebleed. Uh, President Biden's gonna do whatever he can to stop drilling, to stop production. These companies are not making the investment as a workaround. They wanna hold back on their money, to BK's point on ExxonMobil, return money to shareholders until the smoke clears.
2: Here's a question in terms of the impact on corporations and the consumer, Nadine. At what point do we have to start factoring in into EPS, into margins, $100 oil. I mean, everybody here seems to believe that oil oil prices are going higher, (laughs) energy prices are going higher. That's great if you're in that trade. Not so great if you're a company who depends on those inputs. Um, If you're a company that depends on consumers' spending and and not having to pare back on their spending because of higher prices at the pump or heating oil or whatever it is.
0: Mel, and I think you're making a really great point. And before I was talking about the short term, in the intermediate term, we actually see macro factors changing. And so you're going to see a rollover of the growth of GDP. So you're going to get to either an inflationary environment. So growth is going like this and inflation is still going like this or staying at a high level or a deflationary where both are decelerating just because of high comps. And what happens there is you're exactly right. Whether it's energy or the price of cotton or food at the store all of those things factor into people's pocketbooks. In addition to the numbers we saw today from, from employment, you see people aren't coming back into the labor force. So it means that they're gonna be drawing on their savings. So even though we had those huge savings numbers out there for you know, less than the 1%, people are gonna start spending that down and that will impact growth. So I think you're making a great point. It's just not today. All right. Let's look ahead to next week now, earnings season kicks off, banks dominating the week, but other
2: important names are also reporting results. So let's get your setup with a good old game of trade it or fade it for Friday. Let's kick things off with Wells Fargo reporting on Thursday. Nadine, what do you say?
0: You know, we're positive, we're going to trade it here. So the fundamentals and macro, for the same reasons I said before, when you're in a reflationary environment, energy and financials do well. But let's look at fundamentals. Charlie continued to take out costs when rates were lower. Rates are rising, so those margins are going to go up. Same thing, we're gonna expect solid loan growth from the business, and again, it's aligned with our macro view. Technicals, it's been bullish on a short-term and intermediate-term basis. I think all of the knowns about strategy and customer issues are out there. And so if you wanna trade it, our trading range is 46.70 to 49. So right now it's a fair fight up or down two to 3%. So I'd like to enter closer to that 46.70 range. Steve, what do you say about WFC?
1: I'm going to say faded, and I like how Nadine refers to Charlie as if she just had lunch with him. So maybe I should just agree with her because it sounds like she's pretty familiar with management at this point. The stock is up 59% year to date. Uh, It is not overbought. It's got an RSI of uh, 56. I'm still sticking with faded. I think there's too much unknown, too much head risk. I like the financials, not this one in particular.
2: All right. Up next, Walgreens also at the results on Thursday. Brian Kelly, what do you say?
3: Yeah, well, for me, Walgreens is a faded, and I'll tell you why. It it is traded sideways for the last six months or so. It actually is relatively cheap. It has a high dividend yield. So what else would you want? Why hasn't it performed? I also think as we look at the consumer we just talked about potentially Uh, you know, uh, oil prices and energy costs, cutting into the consumer's pocketbook. Yes, they will still buy some of those staples, but not the ancillary goods that Walgreens hopes that you buy when you go in. I know Pete usually buys like a Cabela uh, gift card or something. (laughs) (laughs) That or the buckle. I don't know if they sell those there, but he would certainly be a buyer of those. Pete, what do you
2: say about Walgreens boots?
4: You know, this is a stock that I pitched to you guys uh, several months back, actually. I think it was back in March or something like that. And I like the the free cash flow. I like so many different things about this. So I am trading it. And I think you can hold on to it. You get a great dividend yield. You can sell options against it. This is a company that's given us just about everything we're looking for, including buybacks and everything else. I actually think you can just hold it and kind of ride through it. Now, let's not forget, if you go back a year ago, it's a $39 stock. Now it's trading in the upper 40s. Pulled back from the 50s. I think it's a great buy right here. I think it's given back too much. I think this is another opportunity.
2: I remember you pitching this because it struck me that this company was not headquartered in Minnesota, which is highly unusual for you to pitch. Um, Let's get to J.B. Hunt. That reports on Friday. Steve, what do you say?
1: Yeah, this one is sort of a no-brainer, which makes me scared. You have capacity constraints. You have high demand, which equals to me pricing power. Analysts are tripping over themselves. Yes, yeah, sorry, it's a trade It for me. Analysts are tripping over themselves uh, to raise estimates on this one. I think this is a, a quasi no-brainer going into Christmas and, and definitely Q1 of 2022.
2: Yeah. you with Grasso
3: uh no apparently i i don't know maybe i have a brain or i don't have a brain i didn't understand the analogy but something in my brain <laughs> says no and here's why i've got global pmi's overturning so the best is probably out there for the supply or the worst slash best is out there but we are supply chain uh, constrained i've got higher fuel uh, inputs uh and i've got a christmas season that's probably canceled so now i'm a fader of it all right <laughs>
2: last up delta airlines out with earnings on wednesday pete what do you say
4: you know i think you got to trade this one i do not own the stock i do own calls here i think there is upside for this company and when you look at really what's going on behind the scenes people are coming back they are traveling business travelers will start to come back obviously as we get past the latest of the delta variant and i think you're going to see those numbers continue to go to the upside so because of that i think this is a company that's way undervalued at this point in time and they've been making some acquisitions of planes for 2022 at very very unbelievable discount prices so for that reason i think it's a trade it
0: nadine You know, Pete might be right on the intermediate term, but on the short term, I gotta fade it. For me, you know, life's a little bit too short. I don't need to short this name, but I don't need to own it. The data is showing that spending on hotels, airfare, other discretionary spend, though they're not getting the pricing that they need and technicals, we're looking at a trading range of 42.11 to 45.66. So yeah, maybe there's a little bit more upside in the range, um, but there's a 1% implied volatility premium. What does that mean? People aren't buying protection. They're pretty complacent, and shorts have come way down. They're down 18% from a month ago at a lowly lit level of negative 2.7 of shorts. So you don't really have the wind at your back for a pop into earnings. So for me, I would just go elsewhere. Go to energy, go to financials, go elsewhere. All right, coming up, we're diving deeper into
2: next week's bank earnings and options action. How the team thinks you should be setting yourself up as Q3 reporting season kicks into high gear. But first, supply chain concerns maybe putting home improvement stocks on shaky foundations. But what does that mean for the rest of the retail space? We'll get some answers much more fast right after this.
5: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out Home Depot and Lowe's falling after a bearish note by Loop Capital. It is our call of the day. The firm pointing to supply chain issues and a potential rate hike as potential headwinds for the home improvement companies. Analysts also expecting the covid related boom to cool in 2022. Um, I get the supply chain issues, Nadine. Consumers, though, are flush with cash. Households are flush with cash. They pay down
0: debt. Do you think interest rates would really hurt? Would supply chain issues hurt? Right. I think there's a few things that they mentioned. And it might be slightly early call, but we agree with them. I just don't like the setup for the intermediate term. Pro to pro, which is part of their business, is going to slow. It just has really tough comps. And it's really about, is something accelerating in growth or not? And that's the problem here, is they've had such tremendous demand the acceleration is going to turn to deceleration. That's a problem. They've had supply stocking issues in the report, so the pictures were funny. There's no Halloween materials, and there's no paint on the edges for people to buy. So that is a problem. Um, but as rates rise, that dampens demand. So housing prices can't rise. And also rent then has to get more expensive too. So people might have cash in their pocket, but they have to start putting it somewhere else. And that's one of my concerns. So savings is going down. And you also saw again today, fewer people are getting jobs than expected. So that means they're not getting the income needed. So when, you know, obviously when COVID rolls over here, uh, if they're not in a job, they don't have that income to replace some of the other benefits they lost.
2: How are you feeling about these home improvement stocks, Brian Kelly?
3: You know what? I I would fade them. If we're still are we still playing that game? No, but, but that's I, I, all right. Th- you can do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Home Depot knows same story, right? I agree with what Nadine was saying on the fundamental side. So then, just look at how they've traded, right? Home Depot's traded between 300 and 350. I don't need to be a hero here. I've got a lot of headwinds that potentially could hurt, hurt earnings on this. And let's say I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I buy it on a breakout above 350, you're wrong. and everything's fantastic again. And I've got <laughs> a lot of runway on that, so uh, that's okay.
2: You hear the peanut gallery, <laughs> being Grasso? You he said you're wrong. Grasso, why?
1: Well, he said he told me to say say, say I'm oh, wrong. I, I thought you I said he was wrong. He's, so, do you think so I do I do I, I do think he's wrong. Yeah, because when you look at these two stocks, first of all, technically the 50 has crossed over in both of them. The 50 has crossed to the upside of the 100-day. That's a bullish formation to me. And Home Depot and the and the home builders used to move in the same direction. They're not now. They're neg- They're inversely correlated because the 10-year is spooking the home builders, but it's not spooking the Home Depot and the Lowe's for some reason. And the reason I believe is that both of these are seen as value plays. And I do believe that when the fluff comes out of the pandemic, everyone buying second, third, and fourth homes like BK, I think that now people are gonna get back to doing what they're doing and renovating their homes. And if you have a supply chain issue, you know what that means to me? Nothing is gonna be on sale. Everything is gonna have pricing power, Home Depot, Lowe's,
2: Trade them. All right. Well, Jim Kramer says he is, quote, suspicious of Luke's call on Home Depot and loads. You can read all about it in the CNBC Investment Club newsletter. Sign up now at cnbc.com backslash investing club or just point your phone at the QR code on the side of the screen. It will take us straight there. Coming up, we reveal our chart of the week why one of our traders says this week's 11% rally is just the tip of the iceberg. And later on, options action, we were playing the big China bounce back where the sector, the tech sector is going from here and how you can get in on that trade. More Fast Money right after this. Time to reveal our chart of the week. What a graphic that was. Uh, This asset rally, nearly 11% since Monday. It's Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency on a tear hitting its highest level since May. Got to go to the baller uh, about this breakout. Brian, what do you make of it? I mean, this this maybe not coincidentally happened concurrently with the whole debt ceiling extension drama.
3: Exactly. There's quite a few tailwinds here, and I think that, that's what's going on here. We've talked about over the year how Bitcoin has become more of this macro asset, so it's starting to respond to stuff like the debt ceiling drama and higher inflation. And if you look at the correlation between Bitcoin and oil, that is now positive on a 30-day rolling basis and is starting to get more positive. So I think what people are using, institutions are starting to use it for, is as an inflation hedge. The other thing that you have here is that there isn't a decision on a futures-based ETF that's coming up uh, in the middle of October, October 18th, I believe. And so I think you're seeing a lot of speculation that that may be be approved at that point in time. Both of those things are tailwinds for it.
2: What's the point of gold, Nadine? I'll go to you on this. What's the point? I mean, it's down for the year. It's supposedly an inflation head. Aside from being a pretty metal that makes nice bracelets and such, what's the point?
0: You know, it's a great question. A lot of people are confused. BK and I were talking about it this morning, but it, so it's not very confusing. And that is this: that when you're in a reflationary environment, again, when the growth of GDP is accelerating and the growth of inflation is accelerating, energy does well, financials does well, crypto does well. But what doesn't do well? Gold. And so you've also seen a spike in the dollar. Dollar up, gold down. Um, Doesn't always work that way, but that's what's going on here. So until you see growth roll over, so the growth of GDP, until you see that roll over, you're not going to be able to use gold as the perfect inflation hedge. Instead, you should be using crypto.
2: Grasso, just quickly, your thoughts on Bitcoin versus gold?
1: Yeah, so so obviously if you're going to buy gold, you want to buy the miners that has the beta, and if you think gold's going up, it'll go it'll go up three times the uh, three times the amount. But having said that, in Bitcoin, Bitcoin, BK and I were talking about this seasonality of Bitcoin. September a negative month, but you know what's a good month or months? October, November, and then you sell it mid December. So I think you got two more months of outperformance with Bitcoin.
2: All right, it is time now for the final trade for this Friday. Let's go around the horn, Pete Najarian.
4: Kind of the sneaky area, Mel, Mel, has been some of the casinos, and I'm going to give you MGM. I bought it today on the calls that I was seeing. A lot of call buying there today.
0: Nadine Turman. Regeneron, R-E-G-N. We like the fact that it got hit along with other healthcare names uh, when the antiviral came out. It's a great pipeline, has nothing to do in terms of you separate out what's going to happen next year. So we like that name. Steve Grasso.
3: I'm going big screen. I'm going Bond. IMAX. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Kelly. You know, for me, you got to look for the next commodity that looks like it wants to break out. And I think it's going to be copper. You want to play it via Freeport Mac FCX. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money for the week.
5: You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.